This is a reading from the book called the Gospel of Mark. It's the first of the books written about Jesus and it was written something like 50 years after his, after his life. And Jesus and his disciples are walking through Galilee, which is their home territory. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. They came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way, they had argued with one another, Who was the greatest? He sat down, called the twelve and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and he put it among them. And taking it into his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. There's another book in the New Testament called the Book of Acts and it's uh, the stories of the very first Christians. They didn't call themselves that, they called themselves people of the way. Christians was a, a nickname, a sort of very derogatory nickname as far as we can tell. But there are stories in it and they keep getting arrested these people of the way, because they keep disturbing the peace and upsetting the way things are supposed to be. And at one point, they're dragged before the authorities and the complaint about them is, they're turning the world upside down. And they were, because they were followers of Jesus and Jesus kept talking about the rich being poor and the last being first and insiders becoming outsiders and outsiders becoming insiders and the lost being found. And here he is at it again. Greatness, it turns out, isn't what we think it is. It might not be this. I was c confused. Why does Clive Palmer tell us to make Australia great? He doesn't actually give us many clues as to how to do it except blather on about being an anti-vaxxer and opening up the state borders, which I don't know if you want to become great, those two things to be the kind of the last things you'd be worried about. But anyway, there's not much more to it. Why doesn't he say make Australia great again? Because that's where he's gotten it from, surely. Maybe it's because of the old cultural cringe, you know, we're not really sure we're that great to start with, so we can't be great again. I don't know. But whatever we mean by greatness doesn't seem to be what Jesus means. And the reason is because he takes a child. Now, we've got kids here today. We're going to baptise one of them, which is wonderful. But when Jesus takes a child, he's not doing what we're doing when we hold a child. It's not to say that he doesn't care about children, but this child is an example 
is an exemplar of what he's talking about. Because in the first century, in the first century, to be a child was to be a non-person. Children had no rights. They had no place in the community. In fact, because the infant mortality rate in the early years, and really up until the beginning of the Industrial Revolution and then even on, a 50% mortality rate amongst children was kind of standard. We would be shocked by that in our culture at this time, but this was the way it was. And so children were, were, were grouped with those people who were kind of non-events. Plato, one of our great forebears, grouped children, slaves, women and animals all in the same mob and did it frequently in his writings. There are people of no account. So when Jesus takes a child, he is doing what he always does, which is turn the world upside down and say, greatness looks like this. Well, no, it doesn't, because this is a child of no account. This is someone who doesn't fit any. We know what greatness is. Well, well, we think we do, except that greatness hasn't done us much of a service, has it? I've been reading some history of the English Revolution and one of the causes of the English Revolution is Charles I, the King of England's intransigence of the idea that anyone should make any decisions about anyone in the kingdom except him. It wasn't the only precipitating factor for the Civil War, but it was the beginning of it. And his intransigence just kept that going. He knows what greatness is. Greatness and the idea that we are superior to them is what led us into the First World War. Not the only reason, but one of the significant reasons. The great nations of Europe didn't need to talk to each other because they were superior to each other. Chris Clark, the great Australian historian, comes, works out of Oxford these days, but he's an Australian, it's good to know, said we were sleepwalking. We sleptwalked into the First World War. And World War II, the same thing. Greatness, the great German nation, the, the Reich, was going to come for a thousand years because we are great. We're living with the results of all those things and we could list hundreds more. Greatness hasn't actually served us that well, our idea of greatness. And we just had Donald Trump, the greatest president God ever created, he said on more than one occasion. The, and he did it with a straight face too. But Jesus' greatness is nothing of the sort. Maybe Jesus had already had enough of greatness because Augustus, the great emperor of Rome, who had died not long before he was born, and then the chaos that followed that for a while, he knew all about greatness too. And the Herods, who were lording it over the people and making he knew about greatness there too. Not much different to us. We all know about greatness. Here's a different greatness. It's hidden at the bottom. There's a different way of being in the world. Do you want to know the quality of a culture? Mahatma Gandhi said, you look at the way we treat the powerless. That's how you know whether we're a people of worth or value, whether we're a great people. It's how we treat the powerless. I'm not at all sure 
what the Make Australia Great Party will do if they ever got within a bull's roar of even one seat. But neither am I sure what the Labor Party or the Liberal Party would do. I'm tired of hearing my politicians in government say, my government, as Scott Morrison does on a regular basis, and his previous Prime Ministers in his party and in the Labor Party, it's not his government. It's mine and yours. These people are not presidential. They're just politicians. They're as useless in you, as you and me and as glorious as you and me on alternate days, depending on how well they're working and how courageous they can be, just like we are. Jesus is talking about a whole different way of looking at greatness. It doesn't depend on us having nuclear-powered submarines, whether or not that's a good thing. It doesn't depend on a person who happens to have an Australian passport and who happens to run a little bit faster or wheel themselves a little bit faster as another person who has a different passport. That doesn't make us great either. Surely what makes us great is the courage we have to treat each other as human beings at a policy level, which we are disastrous at when it comes to refugee and asylum seekers and when it comes to First Nations people, and at an individual level, when we figure out how we fit into the community. It's a different world Jesus is talking about. No wonder they thought that this pe these people who followed Jesus were turning the world upside down, because they were. Because how do you run a society where there's no hierarchy? How do you run a society where it doesn't look like this? With guilt all over the place and people shooting sunbeams out everywhere. That's the way it's supposed to be. And if you're lucky, you're one of the ones that claw yourself to the top. And if you're not, well, we just hope that the ones up there don't treat the ones of us down here too badly for too long. But what if it runs differently? What if we're being called to a different kind of world? A world not only where everyone is welcomed and treated individually well with respect and honour, which would be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? But what it means for me is that I end up being treated that way too. That I end up having, being able to live who I really am. I don't have to hide from you what I think about things, how I feel about things. I don't have to hide behind my gender. I don't have to hide my sexuality. I don't have to hide my socioeconomic status or my educational attainments or lack thereof. None of those things will matter. I can live completely as I am knowing that you will accept me as I am because that's the world we live in. I'll take a chunk of that. I'd like a world like that. I'd like a world where I don't need to hide from any of you who I really am. And I don't need to hide who I really am from myself. Because, see, one of the heart of the Christian gospel is that that's all nonsense anyway because none of us are hiding from God. God sees us and knows us exactly as we are. And bizarrely, given I know a lot more about my failings than you do, well... Maybe you know lots more than I've, I haven't paid attention to, but I've got a pretty good idea things aren't going that well. 
doesn't make a jot of difference to God. Because Jesus is already living in this world. So when he takes a child, what does he do? He holds the child and hugs it. There's another way of translating the, Aramaic, the, the Greek. He holds the child and hugs it. He's already living that world. He's taking the lowest of the low, the people of no account. It's sim symbolised in this one child and he draws them into himself. It's all right, don't worry. That's the world Jesus is living in. That's the world I'd be very, very, very happy to live in too. And that's the world I want us to invite Cleo into. God knows, literally, God knows what the world is going to be like when she's ancient like we are, some of us. I don't know. No way of telling. And anybody who thinks they know, I'm going to live, uh, listen to what they have to say with a grain of salt. But the world that I want for Cleo is the world where she can be who she is. She can be alive in the world, fully human, not shrinking because, well, she's a woman, so, you know, she has to sort of keep her ideas to herself because us men, we don't want women who are that smart because then we get all a bit sort of upset. Oh, God, do we have to keep doing that? Or a world where her sexuality is questioned or contained or controlled or any of the other things that we do. That's the world I want for Cleo. That's the world I think Jesus is beginning here, even in this moment. No wonder these disciples later on turned the world upside down because they saw this happening right in their midst. They realised this is what Jesus was talking about. It was beginning right here, right now. No wonder they were such a pain in the bum to the government and the authorities. It couldn't be anything else because they were starting to live the world that Jesus was on about. They just started to do it. Let's do the same. Amen. Thanks, Luke.